This is Preambling, where we turn our useless banter into a whole show so we can cut the fat from our normal episodes. In this episode, we discuss the foolishness of JEDP theory, not for the first or last time, why the resurrection should change that whole conversation, the rise and fall of Jason Kenney, mostly fall, the glories and trials of the Westminster system, Jeff's unfortunate hockey idolatry, just kidding, kind of, Josh's feminism, our failure to read Uriel's Revenge, W's failure to distinguish himself from Putin, and most useful Bible study tools, advice, and questions for young people and prospective church members, and whether or not we believe in chapters after Revelation 4. Enjoy. Hello, grace and peace. We're taking Anarchy to Church here in the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Iowan Cap. And I'm Jeff Park, a.k.a. the Babylonian Bagpiper. Yes. the <laughs> and, and don't tell anyone that I forgot to full screen our Zoom. Um, okay. <laughs> don't tell anyone. Um, I won't. Yeah, the, the Babylonian, the Babylonian okay. Bagpiper. That's very good. That's very good. Because, of course, if there's one thing that Babylonians need, it's more bagpiping. Depends on which translation you read. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, those in the stream know that we're running a little late tonight because somebody thought hockey <laughs> was more important than starting on time. Again. I guess we know what, where things rank in Jeff's world. Hockey, <laughs> Jesus, you know, I don't know. <laughs> hey, I was watching hockey with church people. There was plenty of Jesus. It's fellowship. Dang it. <laughs> we we even we even talked about why JEDP t- theory was crap. It was very uh, um, <laughs> very Jesus. <Jesus-y. laughs> you know, it's uh, there's like that's the thing about going to a liberal Christian college is like they spoke so confidently about JEDP <laughs> theory. Like it was just like, well, yeah, of course. Uh, there was a Yahwist, an Elohist, uh, a priestly source, and a, and a Deuteronomist. And like, well, yeah, of course, obviously. Well, what else would that be? Um, Moses? Right. This, that Moses, like they thought the entire, like from the entirety of church history, you know, like, you know, there's no way, no way that could be it. <laughs> You'd have to be some sort of a backwards rube to believe that Moses wrote all of yeah, this. Yeah, a backwards rube like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's so funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, I mean, it's. In fairness, Jesus did come from the backwards rube part of the world. We just don't mention <laughs> that very often. You know, <laughs> but, you know, it's like, it's, it, and I know we've covered all this ground in our <laughs> uh, very lengthy series. Uh, uh, toward an evangelical upgrade in, in our studying uh, the Chicago Statement, but, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, I, tr- I, I believe G- the red letters. I believe the red letters. I believe the red letters. How about the red letter that said Moses wrote the Torah? Mm-hmm. Do you believe those red letters? Seem to be selective about the red letters you believe, too, huh? It's... <laughs> yeah. Or... If he did not believe Moses and the prophets, he would not believe it, even <laughs> if someone were raised from the dead. How's that one? <laughs> How are those red letters? 
Yeah, well, of course, by believing Moses, we mean just the literal, just the red letters of the Moses writings, too, right? (laughs) (laughs) Mosaic red letter writings, just the words that Moses wrote down. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I just love the the anti-supernatural bias of, of all of liberal scholarship on, and, and it like, and, and I wish I had this type of terminology back when I was in college to ask, cause then I would have asked a simple question. I would have asked my Bible teachers a simple question. This is the simple question I would have asked them. Did Jesus actually rise from the dead? And like, just, just that, did Jesus actually rise from that? Is that a, is that a metaphor or did Jesus actually rise from the dead? I mean, if he did, then what's the problem with prophecy? Why, why is it such a problem for you to believe that Isaiah prophesied things into the near, far into the future? What, like what's, what's problem? What's the problem with that? What's the problem with the idea that, uh, the Deuteronomist was actually Moses and that it was written the hundreds of years before Josiah's reign and Josiah was just actually trying to follow what he unearthed when they found the book of Deuteronomy in the temple. Like, wh- why are all these things, like all these things that are like that, that strain credulity uh, among the, the, the scholars and then you're like, but if a dude got out of a t- out of a tomb, like why is the rest of it so hard to believe? You know, I, like I, I've become a bit of a Keller, uh, a Tim Keller uh, critic as of late. Um, but I still think his point in 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 which that's kind of the center point of reason of the reason for God. His book, The Reason for God, is like, well, let's start with this. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Okay, then maybe we need to take a second look at the Bible that he affirmed. Uh, Then maybe we need to take a second look at the God he affirmed and be like, if that center point, that central thing happened, then everything else, like, why, why do we have the problem with all these other things if he really rose from the dead? And, and then further... Ask my liberal friends, my liberal scholar professors, uh, if he didn't rise from the dead, then what the heck are we doing? What's the point of any of this? Why did I go to a state school? It's a lot cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) What are we doing here? You know? (laughs) I don't know. I just... Liberalism makes less and less sense to me every day. Like they, they're they're the they're the children playing grown up. Like they really are children playing grown up. It's a simplistic. I don't want to actually think about this. I don't want to actually stretch my mind to imagine that the supernatural actually exists. Uh, <laughs> that's that's all. That's yeah. It, it does. It just doesn't make sense. And. And of course, we know why. It's because they want to do whatever they want. Morally. Right. Right. Yeah, that's... Yeah, children yeah. playing grown-up. I, I mean, 
the PhDs seem like a lot of work to sleep with the person you wanted to sleep with, but you know, <laughs> you do you, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anything <laughs> interesting happened in Canada lately? Nothing huge, right? I, I mean, hockey mostly, I think. I think no, no, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. all leadership no, is probably uh, still the same. I, I'm sorry? All leadership is probably still the same. No differences there. Well, actually, unfortunately, you're kind of not wrong about that. Um, so, so okay. Uh, what Cap is referring to, obviously, is uh, that uh, uh, Jason Kinney technically won his leadership review yeah. um, on, on, uh, on Tuesday of, uh, as we're recording, um, uh, Tuesday of last week. If you're, if you're listening to this, when it comes out, uh, or sorry, Wednesday on, uh, as, as we're recording, it's Wednesday of last week. Um, if, uh, if you're listening to this, um, as it comes out, then it's, uh, um, then it's, uh, I guess still Wednesday of last week. Yeah, anyway. still Wednesday of last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was that was a worthwhile trip. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so. So. Um, so. Uh, anyway. Uh, um, so he technically won his leadership review with a whopping fifty-one point four percent. Um. Uh, out of out of about thirty thousand votes, um, and there were allegations that about four thousand of them could have been fraudulent. So um, there was no way he could have stayed the premier of the province under under those sorts of results. So even with the fifty one point four percent, he resigned um, immediately after getting that result. Um, which is normal, by the way, in a in a in a Westminster democracy. Typically, when when the leader of a party um, gets really anything short of seventy percent, usually they resign. Yeah. Even 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 seventy five usually means yeah. All right, I mean, you can stick around, but you're on your last legs because it's if seventy five percent of your yeah. own party yeah. doesn't support you carrying on, then yeah. you're then you're in trouble. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, you know, we had, we, it's interesting. We had some talks as, uh, as an elder board talking about like, uh, we, we've been going over our, our, uh, bylaws and constitution, which is, let me tell you, as a guy who despises administrative tasks, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> I understand that it's important, but still not my favorite part of being on the elder board. Uh, but we, um, one of the things we talked about, I remember it came up, we were like talking about how, how, what percentage of a vote was necessary for a elder to clear. And we were like setting per, kind of lower standards. Like, but then we were like, at some point we were like, hold up guys. If only 60% of the church affirmed you as elder, would you take the job? Right. And we were exactly. like, yeah, let's bump that number higher. <laughs> although in the end, although, you know, in the end we did set the, t it's kind of, there's some wisdom to setting it lower just in case what's going on is a bunch of disgruntled people are trying to be purposely, um, 
you know, trying to purposely fog up the process. Um, but like at some point you're like, okay, I technically passed, but this isn't a good idea. So even though I win, I really lose. So I get that. (laughs) Yeah. And in the lead up to this vote, Jason Kinney was constantly talking about how 50% plus one, that was his target. Like that, that, that means the membership has spoken. They still want me as their leader at 50% plus one. He talking about this for months. So we actually, we actually thought that he was actually going to do it. We actually, we, he'd said it for so long that we actually thought, oh, he's going to try to lead this party with 51.4%, which to be clear was the worst possible outcome. Like no matter who you are, like even if you were the biggest fan of Jason Kinney, like (laughs) trying to lead with pretty much exactly half of the party opposing you. Yeah. The, and and especially he was talking like he wanted to clean house of all the dissenters and all this stuff. It's like, Oof. no, you have no mandate to do that. You can't leave. It's impossible. Um, but then, so the reason I, I say maybe there have been no changes in leadership is, is that he announced his intention to resign immediately. Hmm is at least how he's trying to frame it now. And I, he did, I suppose, say the words, and I will resign, <laughs> not, and I hereby resign. <laughs> um, and uh, so the United Conservative Party caucus, so the ruling government caucus, who gets to decide basically who the premier is by virtue of choosing their caucus the leader of the caucus is traditionally the premier. Technically, leader of the party, leader of the caucus, premier of the province are technically three different positions. Traditionally, they have been the same thing. Uh-huh. Um, and um, and so they uh, um, so they met um, that next day for eleven hours. To decide that Jason Kinney would be the would be would continue to be the leader, continue to be the premier, continue to be the the uh, leader of the caucus, while the party decides when to conduct a leadership race to fill the vacancy in the party leadership. Um, they were very careful not to call him the interim leader of the party. For a very important reason, the interim leader of the party cannot run for the leadership of the party. And apparently Ah. they had a compromise much earlier in the process where they were willing to say that he could be the interim leader of the party. And he rejected that. And the arguments continued. Now, we think that's because, or I I shouldn't say we, I (laughs) think that's because as we've mentioned on this podcast before, the Pope is coming to Canada and is coming to Alberta to come around and apologize for residential schools. Um, this, we are not going to elect a better um, 
a better premiere to give an audience to the Pope than the than Jason Kinney <laughs> for anything else you might mm. think about him. He is um, he's a very um, uh, you know he might be a Jesuit creep, but uh, but he's good at it. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, and so, so giving an audience, giving an audience to the Pope, um, we're not going to have someone better for that. The Pope is coming in July. So the thought is that he doesn't want to be the interim because maybe it's less likely the Pope actually visits him <laughs> if he's the interim, but Whatever, like practically, dude, you're the lame duck. So maybe that makes it less likely. Like, it doesn't matter what your title is. Uh, what matters is um, you're less valuable to meet with for the Pope because you're not going to be there mm -hmm. for like um, like three weeks after his, he's gone, you're gone. So, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. or whatever, right? So, uh, so anyway, that's the... Um, so that 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 was the uh, the drama that ensued when when we thought uh, Jason Kenney was gone. But look, I think the party is going to probably insist on having their leadership race quickly because the election is scheduled for May of 2023, and you want to have your new leader in place in plenty of time to get the Jason Kenney taste out of people's mouths before heading into that election. So yeah. I think the party is going to go, okay, because it's still our job to win this election <laughs> that's coming <Yep>. up. <laughs> We're going to have this race quickly <laughs> to, to mm -hmm. uh, make, sure, make sure that you're not um, <laughs> uh, that you're not making it impossible for the next guy. Um, or gal. Um, but uh, but anyway, so uh, so yes, it will be an it will be an interesting summer, um, where uh, um, look, I'm not saying it's terrible for someone who uh, just launched an education organization for there to be a leadership race for a position that is going to control for for a position for which education is the second most expensive thing they pay for. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm not, I'm not saying that's awful uh, for, for the prospects of, of my organization to actually have some relevant education policy debates during the summer when people don't normally talk about education mm -hmm. policy. So, uh, um, uh, but since, since I've been seeing a lot of conspiracy theories about myself, no, I did not. I did not pack the ballot box full of just enough. What, what would be, be the allegation? Just enough votes for Jason Kinney to <laughs> only win by 51.4%, which he said he was going to hang on if he won by, but knowing secretly that he was going to quit if he, if he only won by that. <laughs> is that I a, was not the mind of this very convoluted plan. <laughs> uh, is that really something out there? Oh no, <laughs> no! Like, no. Is that so, okay, I didn't mean no, necessarily about I've, you, I've, but that I've seen. Oh, uh, no! If if anything, if anything, the conspiracy theories are that he lost, 
and they figured out a way to let him say that he won. Oh, sure. With uh, 51.4%, yeah. and that he would win anyway. And, and, yeah. and no one no one's really motivated to call him on it because you end up with the same result. He's still gone. So what does it matter? You can um, feel a little bit happier on his way out the door. It, a resi- like a resignation and being defeated in a leadership review have the same, the exact same effect. Mm-hmm. So, so, so this whole except thing, on, except on the whole, pride side. Sure. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but this whole, this whole stretching it out, um, because the leadership review was supposed to be, I mean, originally was, was demanded to have been, uh, back in October or November, I think. And they stretch it out until April 9th, which was going to be in person in Red Deer, because they thought there's no way that the backwards rubes that were against Jason Kinney could possibly get enough people to Red Deer. And then they went, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. (laughs) Um, It seems like the backwards rubes are sending more people to Red Deer than we are. So now it's going to be a mail-in ballot. Um, And at any any point in this entire process, seeing that he was going to lose, he could have just resigned Yep. and it would have spared us all of this. Uh-huh. And it would have been the same. It would have been the same. Well, technically I didn't lose would have been the same outcome. He could have, he could have resigned giving us the exact same outcome at any point in this process. But instead, instead it just dragged on and on and on and on yeah. and just, and just really, really made him even more of a, and he's a, I mean, he's a fundraising coup for the opposing party. Like, <laughs> like they're never going to raise as much money um, mm-hmm. <laughs> as they have uh, with, with his specter hanging over this the whole time. Um, and, and, uh, and his own party was having trouble raising money because everyone's focused on the leadership. Review. So, um, sure. so Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then the, the pro-life political association of Alberta is just creeping up on all of them unnoticed <laughs> in those, in those fundraising markets, <laughs> um, uh, which, uh, as no one has any right to know this, uh, is a, uh, a political party that runs one candidate, <laughs> Um, isn't trying to form government, isn't trying to win, exists only to uh, to bash uh, pro-choice politicians and to and to attack um, uh, a- and uh, and to and to spread information about the complete lawless lawlessness to our lack of abortion laws in this country and in this province and uh, about how abortions are completely 100% funded by the taxpayer um, in this province. And isn't it time we did something about that? That's, that's the only reason that party exists. Um, And, um, uh, and they, and they have been the, uh, the third biggest fundraiser (laughs) Uh, while, uh, while, while the two, the two parties that actually have represented representation in the legislature have been uh, duking it out at the top. So anyway, 
Yeah. Man, that so, all, yeah. Man, I I gotta tell you, if if I thought uh as as Patrick says, if I thought American politics was confusing, man. <laughs> this I love his analogy that he just made in the comments. Canadian politics is like cricket. Same language. I get a little bit of the rules, and then I hear it all come together and I'm just lost. Me dumb American. <laughs> That's that's an apt comparison. Although I've said before, I, I'll I'll be honest. I will be real. I kind of prefer Westminster style. I think it's it's a better way. Like you you see more uh, issues based parties rise up and have a chance to actually make uh, make impact. You know, like if we we've been wrestling for freaking ever to get any kind of third party um, representation in. In government, well, in a Westminster style, that's much more reasonable and much more possible, you know. Although I'm also of the opinion that we should go back to the Senate being uh, elected by uh, by the state um, by state governments. Sure. What, what which amendment is that again? Twenty uh, second thing. Uh, Senate election. 17th Amendment. 17th. Yeah, Not that's right. All that that's right. I used to be part of several groups, that, uh, Facebook groups. Uh, Abolish the 17th, 17th Amendment. Because, yes. I think that, I, I think it's, I think it's better. Personally. Wait, Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. was before women voting? It could, I, I guess so. Because isn't that the 19th? Isn't that the... Y yeah, the, it makes sense. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Right. So I'm not saying uh, I'm, I'm not saying not uh, taking away the direct election to senators led to women voting, but oh, it was a it was a blow to the patriarchy. Uh. <laughs> anyway, and we are all about serving blows to the patriarchy around here. That's what we're here for. Yes. Yes, exactly. Fighting the patriarchy. Yeah, I, 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 I for I one just, am a feminist. And then I I I always I always I always wonder how how you're going to get rid of 30% of our audience. Um and uh and, but at this point I'm growing it. Yeah, at this point, at this point, obviously, obviously this this is pretty tame compared to <laughs> what they've come to expect so I, it, it's a actually knowing the, the type of women who would be attracted to our show I may have just lost the 30 percent by calling myself a feminist <laughs> yeah no kidding no, exactly. <laughs> yeah exactly uh, uh, but uh, so so yeah they uh it, it, a Westminster system is if if the if the principle if the principle that you're trying to trying to pursue is is uh, as I think it was I think it was do you catch yesterday? It sounds like the sort of thing that he might have said um, that um, that the uh, Jeff later realized the right answer was H. L. Mencken. The idea of a Westminster democracy is 
that the people know what they want and they deserve to get it good and hard. Was that, uh, <laughs> I think that was, was DK Chesterton. If, if, if you, if you want the people to immediately feel the consequences of their actions, Westminster democracy is the way to go, right? If you're, if you're trying to protect people <laughs> from the consequences of their vote, which was the idea of the American founding, <laughs> um, to, to put more checks and balances in the way to, uh, to, make it, to make it more difficult for you to get it good and hard when you, um, then, um, uh, then, then that's the, and I, it's hard to say whether it's preferable because, um, you know, it's much easier in Canada, especially at the provincial level, um, a province will elect an NDP government, which is to say a socialist, um, democratic socialist government, uh, like a labor, labor socialist. Um, a province will elect an NDP government and then immediately turf them back out in the next election. Like that's happened quite a bit here. <laughs> um, or sometimes a province elects the NDP um, and then it takes the NDP more than one term to move a province into complete financial ruin and then they get rid of them. But it's always, it's always like, um, I think almost every province has elected the NDP. They've never been elected federally. Um, I think almost every province has elected them. Um, and they usually don't last very long because you're gonna feel it immediately. <laughs> um, they are in complete control. There is nothing to stop them from doing all the dumb things they want to do. <laughs> and, um, and I wonder if just give the Democrats in the US one year to do everything they want to do and <laughs> cure you of it forever. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it would work. <laughs> um, like there are places that basically the entire set of voters who were alive during the last NDP government have to die before they can get another one. It's like, that's mm -hmm. how long the cycle is. It's like no one who was alive will vote for them again. <laughs> um, uh, so, so it, it does make, it does make me wonder if maybe that is actually better that you, you feel the immediate consequences of your vote. Sure. Um, there's no one to stop them from doing everything they want to do. Um, and uh, I mean, technically, technically the queen, but not really. Like if the queen ever actually stopped them, we'd just get rid of the queen. Like <laughs> there's the, 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 it's not, it's not like people are that committed to the monarchy and not more committed than their vote actually accomplishing yeah. what they <laughs> meant for it to. Oh, dang. More, more excitement in Man. the chat. Uh, Patrick's lately. just, Patrick's got like, yeah, his job is much more interesting these days. I'll tell you what. Um, Which is a bad thing. 
Yeah, it's not great. Um, but if you want to know what we're talking about, we're not going to tell you. Unless you go to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover and for $1 a month, you get to watch the live stream either as it's happening or very shortly after the fact. So you could be watching and reading the chat right now, or you can go if you're not willing to like wait that long um, or, or like sift through the chat. What you can do is you can at that point join our Discord channel, our secret Discord channel, and just ask him directly. Say, hey, Patrick. What was going on during the live stream on uh, Sunday, May 23rd? And he'll be like, dude, you waited two months to join? I don't remember. Te so do it now. People will, astute listeners will note that uh, May 23rd was not a Sunday. Um, but Technically, <laughs> but no. Started late, late enough. <laughs> um... <laughs> It's, it's not Sunday, Monday it's at one fifty-six in the morning. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but that's that was a shameless push. And one of the things you can do when you're uh, in in that um, area is you can um, with, in our Discord you can you get a to uh, chat with um, the wife of uh, famed author David Room. Which we are, I'm sorry to say, not going to be doing a reading of Uriel's Revenge tonight. My computer browsers started flipping out uh, before I was able to pull up the show. And so I didn't have time to read the chapters for the night. And so that's on me. I blew and it. I selflessly tried to give him more time by watching hockey and completely forgetting that I needed to record a show tonight, and it still didn't help. Yeah. Well, I mean, at that point, <laughs> I was struggling so hard to get open the browsers I needed to stream the show that I was like, I'm just not getting to it. I'm not even going to. Although, in the end, if I probably had buckled down, I might have still been able to get to it. But uh, mostly it was just fl feeling flustered. And so I decided to uh, we decided we're going to we're, we're going to put it off till next week. So, of course, that means if you have fallen behind, you have an extra week to catch up. So, I mean, like, what are you doing now? Like, pause this tape, pause this podcast, and go read chapters 12 and 13 of Uriel's Revenge. You'll get ahead of us or catch up with us up to chapter 11. And I'm telling you, it is getting wild. You are missing out big time if you haven't been reading along with us. So hop over to... Uh, Amazon.com or go ahead and throw that smile.amazon.com so you can feel a little bit better that as you're giving money to the evil empire you're also giving a few pennies to uh, someone who's actually good and deserves your money and uh, hop over to Uriel's Revenge by David Room R-O-O-M-E and grab yourself a copy of the digital copy, the Kindle copy of Uriel's Revenge, and for only three ninety nine in American bucks and like four ninety nine in fake Canadian bucks, uh, <laughs> you can, and then just get started. It won't take you long to catch up. This implies that American bucks are not fake, which <laughs> our audience will quickly correct you on. <laughs> 
I don't know what the price is in Bitcoin, so this is the best I could do at the. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's say a tiny, 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 tiny fraction of a Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, 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 one or so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's the the main thing you should be getting out of this is it does not cost a lot, and it is worth getting. So go get it. <laughs> yeah. Think of the tiniest fraction of a Bitcoin you can imagine and just give it to David Room. It works yeah. out great. <laughs> so, so, but, but, um, I'm sorry, I didn't ask you, are you done on that topic of Canadian elections? <laughs> Which topic was that? Yes. Yes. The, uh, the, uh, Antichrist Jason Kinney going down in his leadership <laughs> review, um, after technically sort of winning it. Um, yes. I'm, yeah. Okay. Um, well, we needed to replace. If you wonder why I call him Antichrist, just go back to some of the old shows. I'm not, I'm not just insulting him. I'm using that very technically. That's right. Uh, if but but the thing is, we thought we needed something to replace this entertainment segment. That's really what it is. Kind of an entertainment, arts and leisure sort of thing so we needed something to replace it and so we decided we were going to pull up a a video that would satisfy the same requirements of being sure. um you know art artistic yeah and so um i'm just gonna i mean pull it up it has science quick. it has fiction it has horror all the yeah. elements you've come to expect from uriel's revenge yeah um, everything you come to expect um let's it, see all right so here we go i'm gonna pull it up there we go some important let's make sure that the there we go make sure that our audience gets to hear this thank you all for coming thanks for being here in contrast Russian elections are rigged. Contrast. Political opponents are imprisoned or otherwise eliminated that doesn't happen from participating here. in the electoral process. The result is an absence of checks and balances in right. Russia. That doesn't happen here. And the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. <laughs> Iraq, too. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> 
very different. We don't throw political prisoners in jail over here. Julian Assange. <laughs> Edward Snowden. Tim Stevens. Tim Stevens. James <laughs> Coates. Yeah, that doesn't happen over here. Yeah. That is no other thing. <laughs> What's wild is that he has done literally everything that he accuses Putin of doing. He has done it. He went after Julian Assange. He went after uh, Snowden. No, Snowden was Obama. But, uh, wow. Like the audacity and then like the, we have free and fair elections unlike them they are they're, they're stealing elections does he <laughs> does he not know uh that he does he does he forget that his first election was mired in controversy itself I had to go to the supreme court <laughs> where it was decided by four based on party lines yep <laughs> oh yeah i just it's oh my goodness it's Oh, and then it's just the delicious, delicious, delicious. Oh, and then he made one cho the one man's choice to invade Iraq. I mean, Ukraine. <laughs> Glorious. <sighs> oh, if, if here's the deal. I will never stop saying this. In fact, I had a conversation. Yeah, I, I mean, I very rarely have conversations with people in person about politics. And uh, I was talking to someone in my in in uh, in, in my church who himself considers himself a, a libertarian, um, a party libertarian. I'm not sure what his ideology or if he's if he's uh. But uh, it was interesting. I didn't know that there were people who identified as libertarians in my church. Um, but he made the comment of he thought that both parties were equally evil. And I said, I'll quibble over the word equally. Sure. <laughs> and and so I'm going to, and I'll, I'll stick with that, that I absolutely will quibble over the words equally in that. I do not think the Republican Party is equally evil as the Democratic Party. Not anymore. However... I will place George W. Bush in a very high on the category of worst presidents in my lifetime. Um, I might, I might chafe against some of my conservative friends by putting him even higher than Obama. I am not uh, because uh, much of what Obama got away with, he wouldn't have gotten away with if Bush hadn't set the agenda and set the, the precedents that well, he followed. And if you think that these times of moral collapse are triggered by big unnecessary wars or, or by economic collapse, like, like okay, would um, would would Al Gore have done anything to prevent the economic collapse? Obviously not. Right? Probably like, not. No, unlikely. You you basically would have had to abolish the Fed, abolish Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. <laughs> you would have, to to stop all that, and then you probably still would have gotten a short term economic collapse as the fallout from having done those yeah. things. But you would have prevented future collapse. Gore is not known for his courage. Yeah, and so yeah, no kidding. Um, and so, um. But it's very, very likely he wouldn't have gone into Iraq. And I don't yeah. think. Well, 
I and I don't even yeah. think I don't even think it's a coincidence that we have elected both of our Trudeaus after the while while the US was in an unnecessary stupid quagmire. Um so and the Trudeaus have been some of our most anti-American cultural revolutionary leaders in Canada. And we've elected both of them while the US has been in an unnecessary stupid quagmire. So uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Patrick caught up and said that watching Josh laugh at three times speed is like the sixties Joker. That's fair. I, I, I also have danced with the devil in the cold moonlight. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Oh, except that's nineties. Oh, I misfired my reference. Shoot. Oh, all right. Cut it. We're starting from the top. hello grace and peace (laughs) oh um and so yeah so to make up for our uh uriel's revenge flub once again sorry david um we are going to uh take a few more amas we're going to take a, uh, a few more AMAs than usual. We normally do two. This time, I think we can do four. Whoa. Five, you five if you count. The one we already did. One that we basically already did. Okay, so let, let's do that one first. Okay, so we're doing 19 through 23. But I'm going to do number 20 first. Because it is, did you notice 14 was missing? Yes, I already said that I noticed that 14 was miss- was missing. We talked about that back when we were doing 13 and 15 and skipped 14, and I noticed that it was missing. Patrick, get past it. My gosh, <laughs> move on. We dealt with this weeks ago. <laughs> In this thing that you had written weeks before that. <laughs> Once again. <laughs> yes why, why are we still talking about this <laughs> uh, but for, question 19 what are the best bible tools you both use to dig into a text of scripture uh, I have quite the complicated setup so I'm going to let you go first Jeff <laughs> okay yeah I, so to um, like, oh, I don't have it. I don't have it tonight, but, um, the, um, Nestle Alonge 27 NET Diglot, um, is, is my everyday carry, if you will, for, for, uh, uh, for our, uh, handgun enthusiasts, they will. They will appreciate that reference. Um, my everyday carry is is uh, is that in terms of when I'm when I'm trying to study a a, a passage of the Bible is that NA twenty seven NET Diglot because it has all the NET translation notes and textual notes um, and and uh, Nestle Alonge twenty seven uh, critical text with with the critical apparatus. Um, so, so anything I want to dig into and, 
um, and understand that at, at that level is all at my fingertips in one volume. Um, Dower Dunker, Arndt and Gingrich um, to, to uh, a lot of times, a lot of times if you're, if you're looking at a word in Greek and you wonder why it was translated that way, you can go to Bauer Dunker on Gingrich and it will actually call out the specific verse that you're wondering about and explain in pretty good detail why it's translated the way, <laughs> when it, especially when it's an unusual translation. It will say, it will say, okay, most of the time it means this, but in this verse that you came here because of, <laughs> Here's why it means this, which is different. Um, and so, um, so that's, that's very handy. Um, um, and also, um, also works as a, a blunt force weapon um, because it is quite large. Um, so, um, and those, those would honestly be my main two. Um, if if you need to get a little bit more into the um, textual side, there's the Metzger textual commentary, very helpful. Um, yeah, that's really good. Uh, so, um, so yeah, for me, those are the main tools. If I, um, if I just If if I uh, if I just want to understand, okay, what does this verse mean? Why is this included? Then Calvin's commentary, um, Matthew Henry, depending on what it is, some some stuff Matthew Henry doesn't stop to bother with, but a lot of the most practical stuff Matthew Henry will <laughs> uh, will camp out on. Um, so I guess it depends on depends on what you're what you're looking for. But in terms of, um, yeah, just broadly understanding the text, and then and then okay, the other the other and maybe even the most helpful thing <laughs> about the about the uh, NET and A twenty seven diglot that I left out. Um, uh, is uh, is it has an exhaustive compendium of references and allusions to other scriptures, um, which that can really set you off to the races <laughs> by itself. Yeah, uh, to figuring out what a passage means, um, figuring out a passage's significance in the rest of the canon is by seeing. The references it's making so yeah so uh so yeah those that's uh um those are the those are the main things i use now that's because i do talk to people about politics for a living every day unlike josh not read the bible every day for a living unlike josh so <laughs> so josh is going to have maybe a more in-depth answer to this question <laughs> yeah um, well, the short answer is Logos. Uh, I use Logos um, 
Um, but that's because I shelled out a lot of money on it before I knew that uh, Accordance and uh, uh, what was the other one? Bible Works. Bible Works. Bible Works is probably the one that I would have gone with. It, if I was starting over now, I would probably get Bible Works instead of uh, Logos. I'm just going to put that out there because I think Bible Works does what I want Logos to do better. But I have Logos, so I use it. <clears throat> um, but I use it extensively. One of the things that I like about Logos is it brings together... Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Throw Jeff's th uh, Patrick, Jeff's throws the eye of a real job shade. That's right. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I have I, an even less real job than, than I went gap. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but I do use logos uh, extensively. And the reason why I say not necessarily like it's not necessarily necessary is because a lot of what I get from logos, I can also find from Bible hub. Um, not all. Um, and, and one of the biggest things, the biggest benefits of logos, and this might put it over the top for you, um, if you're wanting it is there are different levels you can buy it at. You don't have to get the full thing, you know, all of it. Um, you can get, um, kind of a, a starter and, and, and also you can build your own library within logos of buying different, um, resources. <clears throat> and what I really like about it, what I really like about it is that I, when I, you can copy and paste it and it automatically footnotes, um, the source. And so, especially like when I'm doing, um, maybe I can pull it up and put it on the screen. Um, well, I, I guess I've shown it before, like what my revelation, um, research is, but if I can see if I've got it. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm going to show a picture of, of, uh, how it, um, because this is the part that I leave up. Um, let me pull it up over here. There we go. This is the, um, the Steve Gregg, uh, parallel commentary, um, revelation of four views, a parallel commentary. And we, we find that very helpful for comparing different views of revelation as we've talked about before. Um, but, and so the reason why it's still up is because I, um, I didn't delete this or I didn't copy and paste it and add it into other footnotes like you'll see right here this is how I footnote and this is by the way how I footnote the show and how I footnote um, my own like sermon prep so like I've got this right here this is my own this is my personal sort of word by word kind of literalistic translation and um, <clears throat> I'll usually do first a look of my own I got my own translation and then I will use logos's word by word kind of uh uh research to, to kind of check my work and and i might ultimately still disagree with logos this is always possible and so then this is kind of my a little less literalistic translation is right underneath it not in the in the uh um not in the the, the brackets um and then i from there on i will cite kind of just in, in this very simple format, GKBL semicolon, and then here's the quote from GKBL. Here you get on a, and here's I obviously quoted a quite a bit more, and that's what I'm looking at while I'm talking to Jeff to try and see like what am I, you know, what am I going to bring up? And obviously you'll notice there's way more. Like this is from um, 
4, 9 through 11. There's more notes here than I'm ever going to use on the show. Um, I, I, I'm spending a lot of time skimming and kind of pulling ideas. Um, and that's the same way with my preaching. I'll, I'll, I'll do the same thing with preaching, and then I'll show it to people and be like, they'll be like, man, did, did you... Do you bring up all of this? Well, no, of course not. In fact, I'm. That's kind of the point. I'm not. I, the part of the point is I'm not going to bring it all up. I don't want to bring it all up. Uh, part of the reason I do all the research, though, is I want to know the text so well and have resources of the text so well that if someone after I get done preaching asks me a question, I've got the notes there and be like, well, let me check, or, or maybe I've, I've I've already thought about it because I put it in notes. But <clears throat> that's a side note. That's side note. Um, but here's the Greg. Uh, I, I just copied and pasted the whole thing. And so you'll see here, this is like um, uh, right here at the, the at the end. You see there's number 73, cites Steve Gregg. That was an automatic footnote. I didn't put that in there. It automatically footnoted it. So if you are doing some kind of a research paper, uh, in fact, this is how I... Uh, made my old testament professor and i'm sorry professor carpenter if you're watching this and you're finding out about this now but i wasn't actually working as hard as you say i as you thought i was working on my on my papers i got automatic footnotes from logos so <laughs> it, uh we were supposed to do really quick research papers and and uh she was like why do you keep footnoting everything well i don't so <laughs> but uh <laughs> Uh, but and then and then like I, I will try to do this is another thing that I've talked about I've shown it on on the show that I'll try and do kind of um, what I call kind of um, lot uh, verbal flow chart sort of things I don't know there might be a real name for them but I'm I'm kind of tracing the verbal the the main verbs and uh, that's part and I use logos extensively for this like this is part of what I'm doing is I'm I'm looking for these verb tenses and. Uh, if I don't remember it, then Logos is providing that for me, and and that's how I'm kind of laying it out. Um, and then from there, uh, yeah, again, Logos. If I if there are any, there are some Bible translations that Logos doesn't have. Um, for that, I tend to go to BibleHub.com, and uh, they've got this. Uh, I I think BibleHub, it uh, honestly has to be. Um, one of the best free Bible study websites out there. Like, I don't know that it gets much better than that. Um, uh, let's, let, I'm just going to, I'm going to show that now. So over here, this is, this is just a Bible hub, um, right here. Just, a, um, you pull up the verse, you search a verse and it's going to show you a bunch of parallel verse, uh, versions. Now, again, as we've said before, um, additional translations are helpful if you are, if you know the language and or you're using it to ask questions about the original language to just like, don't, don't use it to be like, Oh, I, I prefer this translation. Cause it says more yeah. what I want to say. Yeah. That's, that's a yeah. bad way to use parallel translations. A good yeah. way to use parallel yeah. translations is to look for where they're different and be like, Oh, that kind of implies a, yeah. a, either a textual variation or a, a, a possible, um, how do I put this? Uh, a co possible uh, controversial translation. Um, but the great thing about one of the great things about 
uh, Bible Hub is is they've got this additional translations. I love this. This is my favorite part about it. Is that this sort of like it's got all of these translations laid out, and a lot of these I'm going to find on Logos already. But but you've got all these classic translations and the early modern translations. You've got the Geneva Bible, the Bishop's Bible, the Coverdale Bible, Tyndale Bible, and as I've said before on the show, it's not that I'm often going to use the Geneva translation, but I find it valuable to read it just to kind of remind myself of the, that, that there, this work has been done for a lot longer than I've been doing it. And I find that kind of helpful. And also you've got these up here, which are translations of the, the Latin which I will, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of using our Bible study on, um, I'm using, I'm kind of using our Bible study to try and teach myself Latin a little bit. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of translating the Bible from Latin a little bit or more, more what I'm doing is I'm using the Dewey rhymes translation of, of the Latin and working backwards to get a better grip over the Latin, uh, Vulgate. Um, and so, as I as I said, don't use parallel translations unless you're using unless you know the Greek. But the great thing about Bible Hub is if you don't know the Greek, click on this little Greek tab. They've got this word by word Greek translation of the verse that, along with you can link to it from. Let's say you click on this. This is Strong's Concordance, and you can see uh, the definition. You can also find some word origin information. You can look at it in the original Strong's. Uh, yeah, you can see English concordance. How, where is it used? Where is this used in the New Testament? You can compare it. Um, if you want to be more specific, let's say Ain. Uh, 1510 is the I me, but I don't want I me. I want to know when Ain specifically is used. Well, then you click at that little blue link underneath it and you can see where is ain that is i me in the uh i believe that's aorist uh third person where where is that used in the new testament and you can see it right here and you can do the same thing for hebrew um and the hebrew will also help you with the lxx with uh, which if i'm doing hebrew translation i, I also like to translate the uh, Septuagint, the LXX, which is the Greek translation, because that's useful for noticing what words they use to translate certain Hebrew words, which is going to help say, you know, like we've we've had a few conversations on the show about like this is this word here, which is typically how the LXX or how the LXX translated this Hebrew word. And so we see that he is quoting the Old Testament in the LXX. So that's that's useful That's important information. Um, and so really like just get, go to Bible hub and play around with that. And you're going to find, this is going to be probably more, especially if you're not, if you're not looking to become a scholar, but you're just looking to understand the Bible better. This is just a invaluable tool. Um, bookmark Bible hub and spend time with that. Um, if you're wanting to study Greek, um, that's a valuable thing as well. And then, and then, and then you're going to want to get like some dictionaries, either digital or uh, hand copy. Um, and, and of course you, you mentioned the BD, uh, the Bauer, what is it? The B 
BGA. Power Donker aren't Gingrich. BDAG. That's right. BDAG. Uh, is what it's typically called. That's one of the great dictionaries. One of the most uh, important dictionaries, um, what they would call, that's um, alphabetical dictionaries. Um, the Lonita is another really important dictionary for um, for Greek study. Um, for, and that's, that's where it's going to give, that's given by semantic um, categories. So you can see... Um, and that, so that's going to be really helpful. So if you're looking up a, a word, you're going to be able to see all the different types of semantic. Well, yeah, the semantic range and, and what kind of how that word is used in multiple different ways, um, things like that. Um, another one is the TD, the the theological dictionary of the New Testament, and of course, there's a one is a T dot theological dictionary of the Old Testament, which is um, more of a theological commentary on given words like how they're used how they were used in antiquity how that usage developed how it was used in the new testament or the old testament if you're looking at the tdot um and of course if you're doing biblical hebrew um you mentioned to the the nestle aland whatever the most updated nestle aland for greek um is is kind of the typical if you're wanting to do more textual critical work um the ubs um, whatever UBS four now they're on UBS five. Um, I think UBS six and NA twenty nine are kind of planned as soon as they've gotten a little bit further into the uh, um, the ECT um, project um, CBGM. Uh, but that's going to be what you want. Um, you've got the BHS in the Hebrew is what you want to um which i it's always easier for me to remember that because uh um that was also my school's uh acronym for my my high school boyden hall school um shout out bhs go comets i guess um but i i i, I never was on a comets team though i i, I mostly did music stuff nerd um and and, and for you're, the, you're there making, you're making it easier for someone to do a yearbook search and actually find you now but anyway <laughs> do it <laughs> do it as long as you can't find my fifth grade pictures i don't care i'm not scared <laughs> that's where it gets really embarrassing is fifth grade pictures <laughs> um but it but you know like um those are some resources that i use i mean like honestly the biggest thing is start uh the big thing I would say start with Bible Hub. Bible Hub is the best place to start for doing biblical study on your own and then start learning the original languages. Like find yourself a good uh primer on the original languages. Start with Greek. I always say start with Greek because you've got a lower learning curve to get started. Um, they actually look like letters to us Westerners. Right. Um, uh, and so that's a good place to start. Um, the, the, the old saying is with Greek, you start laughing and then crying because it gets a lot harder. Um, and, and with Hebrew, you start crying, but you end laughing because at first they don't even look like letters. It's not going the right direction. You're not sure what you're looking at, but as you go along, it becomes, like the rule, they actually follow the rules in Hebrew. I think is the real thing. Uh, in Greek, you you learn all the rules and then you learn the hundreds and thousands of exceptions to the rules, and so that can be tricky. And then from there, just start adding commentaries. I think 
uh, and there's there's uh, a lot of commentary um, research sites like bestcommentaries.com, I believe, is one of them, where you can kind of look up uh, different commentaries for different books. Um, I don't recommend necessarily getting um, whole commentary sets because some of them are, you know, it's like every every time you're gonna get. Uh, every time you're gonna get some hits, some misses. Um, I did it with the the WBC just because I liked the format so much of the of the word Bible commentary that I got the whole set on logos. But you're not gonna want to do that with most commentaries. Most of them you're gonna want to go book by book, find out who wrote the best commentary, who did the good, who did the good stuff, and uh, and collect those. Um. I like digital because I can do it on the go. Um, I, but I see, you know, you if you're a person who likes to hold books in your hand, then uh, reading a commentary just in hand would be useful. Oh, and except Cal Calvin's commentaries, obviously those are all hits. Yeah, actually, yeah, Calvin's commentaries. Like, and, and I mean that seriously. Calvin is like the modern commentary comes from Calvin. Like before. Oh, yeah. Before Calvin, commentaries were not this careful study of the verbs and the words and the terms and, and stuff like that like it was today. They would hop off on these sort of theological speculations a lot of times, and that can be useful or not, as we've seen sometimes with Revelation. Sometimes the in an in a already difficult-to-read book, theological speculation is not a smart thing to do. Uh, it's it's going to be smart to just stick to the text because it's already pretty theologically out there already. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. And so that was a good long answer to a really simple question. When, when really everyone knows that the real answer is his name is G.K. Beale. The man's right. That's your resource. Just... Look up a verse and see what has G.K. Beale written about this verse. And that's the answer. That's correct. That's all the work you need to do. Like, what are we what are we wasting time learning the original language? G.K. Beale learned the original language for us. We just we just need to take his answer, and that's all. What he, more do you need? He, he learned. He learned the languages I should have learned and wrote the papers I should have written. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the papers I will <laughs> never have to read ever again because of that. <laughs> right ever again. Um, so let's go. 21. What is the biggest piece of advice you would give to a young adult living today? Hmm. You want to go first? <laughs> well, I went first on the previous one, and I'm going to go first on the next one, I think. so. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, then I have to go first. <laughs> I think so. Uh, I think the rules. We're talking about young adults. So I, it's interesting. I spend so much time giving advice to teens. Um, for young adults, honestly... 
for most of them, get married and have children. I think is, is really good advice to give. Because, like, we have this... And I'm going to count myself as a young adult, even though I'm moving rapidly out of that stage of life. Um, we have already this tendency among young adults today to prolong adolescence. Um, it started with turning college uh, into a party and experience fest instead of a scholastic um, uh, endeavor. And it, and of course, then we just keep prolonging that adolescence because as soon as we're out of college, we want to explore and view the world. And, and it's only when we're 30 something that we think about settling down and, and, and then you've missed so much. Um, all right. Well, hopefully I fixed that. Sorry if it's not, okay. if, if we're still crackling, um, but you can go ahead and give your answer. What's your advice to... Uh... Normally, it's just the dialogue that's crackling on uh, the Anarchist Bible Study, especially in preambling. But, uh, but, but here, it's, it's dialogue plus some um, crackling. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. I, so, so get married, have kids is excellent advice. Uh, <laughs> um, I would say the church is more important than the school. Mm. that's my main advice for yes that's the piece of advice i give more often than any other piece of advice oh to yeah young people is the church you go to will be more important than any school you go to um and uh and so if you're if you're visiting universities visit the churches mm. uh and we will talk a little bit about church selection next, so I won't, I won't preempt, <laughs> I won't preempt my answer. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, and so the next question is, since you're gonna, you're ready to answer it, let's ask it. I'm ready to go. If someone were looking to join your church and they already had available your statement of faith or your confessions, what questions would you want them to ask? That's yeah. a good question. Um, so they should go there first. Um, couple other, couple other things. They shouldn't have to ask these questions if they visit the church, but here's a couple other things they should be looking for. Expository preaching. Lectio continua expository mm -hmm. preaching, which is if they were to come two weeks in a row, would be, they'd be hearing two verses in a row mm -hmm. <laughs> or two passages in a row. Um, uh, would they be um, I, I've said, I think I've said it on this show before, but if I haven't, I, I've, I know I've said it before uh, so many times in person that a uh, it feels like I've said it on this show. If uh, um, if if I have to make a yes or no decision on a church and its health um, with no other information, drop me into the middle of the second song. I want to hear how many men are singing, and that will tell me a lot 
about the health of the church. Okay, so those are all things you can find out by visiting um, that you don't have to ask. Here's here's what you might not know from from visiting that you might have to ask. What what does this church do? Um, or I guess I guess you would go. Does this church take sin seriously? Mm. When someone falls into sin, what does this church do? Mm. Um, is, is the worship and preaching designed around the reality of sin? Um, and, and it's, and it's deadly effect on people. Um, So traditionally, you would have a confession of sin and assurance of pardon, for instance, as part of the worship service. Um, you have the warnings before communion for that reason. You, um, but then, but then ask if if someone if someone falls into sin, what do you guys do about it? How would you know? <laughs> How do how do the elders know if someone falls into sin? What do they do about it? Has someone has someone been excommunicated? It's not disqualifying if no one's ever been excommunicated. That might be a good thing. <laughs> but has someone ever been excommunicated? Has someone ever been restored? These are all questions I would love to hear from someone joining my mm -hmm. church. Because you know what? It means they're going to be a dang good church member. Like, <laughs> like um, this is, this means that they, um, they care about the corrosive effect of sin on the life, lives, life of themselves and on the lives of their fellow believers. So, that to me, those are the questions I would want to hear from someone visiting our church. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, those are good questions. Um, man, I don't, I don't actually. This is a hard one for me. Um, I'm just not even used to the doctrine question being asked, and so it's honestly like, honestly, that is one of my the best the questions that I want to hear is like, I mean, um. You know what's your doctrine? What's your stance on the Word of God? And and uh, but of course, and of course, our our church doesn't have a state a very a very extensive statement of faith on our website. And um, you know, uh, so so, but but if it were, and and if we did, man. I guess the, the the question I I would want them to ask is about like honestly it would be like man I don't even know I don't even know this is like such a good question I'm a little stumped um I mean your question is a good question like how do you deal with sin how serious is sin um expo expositional preaching that's that's a bit a good one um.
Man. I guess maybe like what's your what's how does the church encourage families? I don't know. Like, what's your family ministry like? Uh, do you do you support husbands and fathers? You know, I don't know. Those that's that's the only thing that I can think of. It's like a, a if a church is looking if they're looking for a church that supports families. I think that's like one of the things that I'd want to encourage. Man, man, I'm just hard. man. This a it's a good one. No, I good. I'm a little bit uh. Yeah, I'm a little bit. I think I think you you got me, dude. Well, yours is actually linked with your advice to young people. Yeah, as is mine. So it's a chiasm now. We've there chiasm. we go. We've chiasmed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, the last question, and then we'll be ready to quit preambling. Now, this is the question that Jeff does not know. Question 23. I did not prepare him for this, so he's just going to take this one. And that is... And, and this was written a little while ago, and it's becoming more and more irrelevant as we move on. That's why I had to ask the question now. Do you believe there's chapters after Revelation 3? <laughs> I, do. I, do. I do I'm pretty confident that there might be there's a strong possibility see that I'm not in my be. normal recording studio but if I were we could pan just off to the side and there's a fuzzy photo of G.K. Beale with the words I believe and big letters <laughs> of the because I do believe there is more to Revelation. <laughs> we believe that. Um, uh, and we might even get into some of that uh, today. Uh, not right away, but... <laughs> 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 yes. Uh, so that's that's kind of... That's going to do it for preambling, I think. This might also be the quickest preambling we've ever done. Oh, certainly well, not. Not since... Well, since, since the beginning. Oh, dear. Um... So, enough preambling. Let's get to the show. This has been Preambling. For the rest of this episode, tune in to Anarchist Bible Study Episode 64. Grace and Peace.